Diane. 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 Bill. Bill. Diane. Bill. Diane. Bill. You know what? What? It's 7.56 a.m. Saturday, May 25th, 2019. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane Show. It's there. There we are. It's, uh, we got candles. We do. Candles in our, uh, the, what's the, what do they call that? Uh, that's that uh, mercury glass or whatever. Mercury glass, yeah. Mercury glass. They're real sparkly. They are. Sparkle, sparkle, sparkle. Saturday morning sparklage. Look, Diane, we've done the show two weeks in a row. Wow. Yeah. Pretty darn cool. It's been a hectic week here in Lake Amphetamine, as per usual. Over to you, Chet. Yeah, it's heating up at work. Heating up. Um, I'm going into my really busy season. All right. So just to let people know that, you know. Yeah, Diane's going to be kind of, you know, distracted by all kinds of things. Now I'm not going to be distracted. Oh, Diane will not be distracted <laughs> by anything. She is, her purpose is clear. She is focused. She is ever present. And, uh,. A willing participant in all things uh, foreign and domestic. And uh, those kinds of things uh, will continue. I got myself a cup of coffee here and I'm going to take me a sip. Indefinitely uh, or until something definite happens. Ah, ham and eggs. Foreign or domestic? Foreign or domestic, yes. <laughs> I don't remember anything foreign. Well, Diane, you know, look around you. <laughs> look around, look where you're living. Look who you're living with. <laughs> a foreigner? <laughs> Well, there's some, yeah. <laughs> Definitely got some out-of-town guests living in his head. That's for sure. Well, I've got more foreign, you know, recently foreign ancestry than you. Well, there you go. I don't know. I think I better call Homeland Security or something. I wanted to talk. Oh, my God. About the fact that it's Folk Life Weekend and we don't go anymore. Because Memorial Day weekend, the yeah. Northwest Folklife Festival. I've talked to several people, Diane, who have uh, commented in, in, in agreement with our impressions of the, uh, the grounds of Seattle Center and how they've gotten so full that it's, a, it's like, you know, you're afraid that if you fall down, you will not be seen again until they're sweeping up at the end of the festival. So I would say that that is the thing that keeps me from the Folk Life Festival. Well, it is for me, but there's another part of it, too. There's another part of it? segues into the fact that you're performing with Jim Page at Grumpy D's tonight. Oh. And that's why, because when I first went to the Folk Life Festival, long ago, far, far away, (laughs) and it was... It was such a life-changing experience for me. It literally changed my life, going to the Folk Life Festival in the 1980s. Yes. And part of the reason why I was so life-changing is that I didn't realize that this world existed, all these different local musicians, and they were all there, and there was a, uh, obviously a festival, <laughs> given that it is the Folk Life Festival, is a festival vibe you know real upbeat and they were had all the sales in the 
Arts and crafts. Arts and, and crafts area. and Buskers of all stripes. Yeah. But the thing that attracted me the most was being able to see all these am amazing local musicians. And then I realized as time went on that I was hearing the, the local musicians in venues for a couple of hours in listening arenas where it wasn't having bleed over from other speakers or uh, other performances in the, the grounds. And so I really became, it was sort of like for me, the Folklife Festival became the launch off point just to find the people. And then now I just go and hear them perform. Yeah, it's kind, kind of, of like a highlight reel or something like that, Folk Life is, or a sampler yeah. you know, of, of a bunch of different things. But one of the great things was that you could discover artists at Folk Life and then pursue them, you know, away from the the uh, I don't know, the crush of humanity at Folk Life. You could find them playing in these small venues and actually go and hear a full concert. Folk and, life was a good introduction. And uh, the first time I went to Folk Life, I was actually looking on the grounds for Jim Page. I wanted Who? to... Jim Page. Jim... Page. Page. You right. may be familiar with him. Is he a local guy? He is a local guy. Huh. But he's not, like, from around here, right? <laughs> no, he's not. He's... <laughs> but he's been here since 1970, which is, you know, longer than... A lot of the people who listen to his music have been alive. So I guess he qualifies as a local guy now. <laughs> My brother introduced me to Jim Page. Uh -huh. um, I remember every single time I saw Jim Page. And he is the reason why I became interested in local music and why I met you. I mean, he's yeah. a lot of good things came from he Jim is, Page being is, introduced in my life. He has been quite the catalyst in my life as well. I used to, I knew Jim Page from Chris Lund's posters on telephone poles in Tacoma. There was this, he had this, of these Xeroxed, uh, badly Xeroxed, Xeroxes of Xeroxes, so that you could barely <laughs> yes, recognize the face of Jim Page. But it, there was this one where he had like this scene of like, I don't know, a shoreline or something behind him. Like there was like gentle rolling hills or something. It's like, why would, you know. Anyway, there were these pictures of Jim. I remember pictures of Jim and I remember Baby Gramps. Because there was the Xerox of the Xerox of the Xerox of Baby Gramps made him look like Cousin It <laughs> from the Adams Family, only with dark fur instead of, because... You could barely see eyes or anything. It was the hat and the hair. That was Baby Grant. <laughs> when I was, you know, this is when I was in high school and stuff like that. And then, you know, I got, I was a fan of Jim's music for 10 years before I met him. So from the time I was 16 or 17 years old, uh, to this day, Jim Page has been a, a presence in my life. So he's up there in my pantheon of heroes with James Taylor and Paul Simon because and Pete Seeger uh, because he entered my life at a very formative time especially as a songwriter uh, I just thought Jim Page was like everything 
that those other players were, the Paul Simons and the James Taylors and the Pete Seegers, except that he was local. He was right here. He was with, within arm's reach, you know. And I remember the number of times that I used to go to the other side of the tracks in Auburn, and Chris would be <laughs> telling me, were you here last week when Jim showed up? I said, no, I had to go home because it's a school night. <laughs> and he said, yeah, he got here about 9.30, quarter to 10. Man, he just lit the place up. He had like five new songs, and he just was going, going, going. The whole crowd, it was just crazy, man. You should have been here. I was like, yeah. Yeah, it's Tuesday, it's school <laughs> night. I have to be home by ten. And, you know, I had to, you know. So, anyway, I, I heard about Jim Page, and then I, you know, you'd see the face of the posters. <laughs> and I wonder what he looks like in real life because he can't possibly look like that in real. Same thing with Baby Gramps; he can't possibly actually look like that. This is not a good representation. But anyway, it's definitely those old. <laughs> Those old posters were almost like uh, ransom notes. Yeah, they were because you'd have he, he would he would uh, Chris would type on a typewriter the words and then cut out the around the words and pay, put it on a piece of paper and he'd take the Xerox the already Xerox photos and put them on there and then arrange some other letters around then Xerox all of that. So what they did they did they looked like those those ransom notes where they cut words out of magazines and. But they, but they worked, because I mean they were a presence. I mean, you know. Well, it was, it was hard a, to find where these people were playing, and it was pretty exciting when you found it. Yeah. But. Um, it was a different era. A I totally remember when era. I first uh, Gary took me to the other side of the tracks to see Jim. He had seen uh, seen Jim perform in San Jose. And because my brother went to San Jose State for a little, a little while, my parents lived down in that area. Mm-hmm. And I will always remember that. I, I even remember what I ate. I remember everything about that night. I don't uh, think I ever ate at, at the other side of the tracks. Well, I remember it because I got a salad and it had cheese in it, but they were little cubes of cheese, little cubes of different cheese. Anyway, Cubes. but I remember that Gary and I were sitting at a table right in front because that was part of the right reason we came to eat there because if you ate there, you could get there early and get, preferred seating. get a preferred seating. Yeah. We were right in front of the stage, and if it was slightly higher than the table, but not a whole lot, Jim could have just walked out on our, onto our table and sung there, too. Yeah. And I'd never seen him, and I was just, I was floored, flabbergasted. I uh, remember him singing these songs that were funny and and poignant, and uh, but everything was clever too, you know, clever words, and and I just was amazed. Yeah. And I then remember he and Rick Eshelman the way they did that thing where Jim would play the chords and Rick would pick or Jim was picking and yeah. Rick, was, Rick was playing the, yeah. I do remember that yeah yeah. and I remember going to an album release concert of Jim's at the Antique and he forgot the albums <laughs> <laughs> he forgot to bring the records <laughs> I can't remember what album it was I don't know if it was this movie is for real or uh, I can't remember what record it was 
but he forgot to bring the albums, and I think Wendy went had to drive back to Seattle and get the albums. Well, I was so shy around him when um, I was I was totally in a hero worship kind of uh, vein for a long, long time, and still remember times where we were going to go. uh, Gary and I were going to go to see him at the Rainbow Tavern, and we went. uh, There was something you could get tickets in advance or something, so we went there, and we it was in the afternoon, Hmm. and or kind of late afternoon. And as we got the tickets, somebody came out and, and Gary saw Jim uh, getting out of his car. Mm-hmm. And he went over to talk to him and I was just hanging back thinking, oh my God, I Jim Page, I can't, <laughs> mm-hmm. I can't talk to Jim Page. Yeah. Since I, then I have been able to talk to him, right. I guess. I got a phone call from Jim Page around Christmas, 1985. Hey Bill. Yeah, this is Jim Payne. <laughs> Hi. Yeah, here you've got a four-track recorder. Oh uh, yeah, I got a couple of friends and we we wanted to get some a demo tape together for we want to play some gigs around town. Wondered if you'd be willing to come over and record us. Sure. <laughs> so, it was Boxing Day, nineteen eighty-five. The first time I got to, you know, just kind of hang out with Jim, I had no idea what to say. I had no idea how to record other people. Uh, but it was Jim Page and Orville Johnson and Tommy Hayes. Wow. And it was in this, my, Jim was house-sitting this in Ballard, and some guy who was out fishing, you know, he was house-sitting there. And I got to go over, and I was there for probably four, five or six hours recording them hoping to God that I would get something that it would be worthwhile having. And I don't know if they ever used any of those uh, recordings for the demo tape, but I still got the, I've still got the recording. So that was when I started feeling like, okay, I got to figure out how to be a peer of this person rather than just a, a you know, a supplicant, you know. I need to figure out how to stop worshiping and start just, you know, being... A colleague. Yeah, I don't think that Jim's much into the worship part of the no, thing. <laughs> no, no, it never was. But it was just, it was, it was a strange phenomenon to be so uh, in awe of a person and then kind of have to figure out a way to, to I don't know, I think it started well, when I, he started. I still have the awe. I just. I still have awe know. too, but I think it, Jim started saying nice things about my songs. That made it easier to be Jim's friend when he was complimentary of stuff that I was doing. But, but I remember him coming to Murphy's when I was playing a gig at Murphy's and, and pestering me from the back. And you know, I was doing his song, uh, "You Can't Make It Go Away." I remember, still remember his voice. Going, You're not playing that right. Pardon me, I'm having a drink of coffee. <laughs> Yeah, I know. You boy. Doing my best. That's good coffee. <laughs> so, Jim and I, we have a long history of, of kind of ribbing each other in in a good-natured way. So, I really look forward to playing shows with Jim because of that very thing. Because you never know where it's going to go. And uh, 
I really like the way we're going to be doing it tonight where we're just going to be trading back and forth. I think that for people that I, especially for with people that I have known or known of for a long time, that's a great way to play a show. That's why I like doing that at uh, CNP with Cat or with Amy or JW. Because it's, it's fun to spark off each other even if, you know, you don't do it, even if it's not a direct thing where one song naturally leads to another, it's still nice to you know, base your song choice on some kind of interaction, you know, with the other person or the other person's song or something. I like doing that. So I am looking forward to tonight's performance with some relish and mustard. <laughs> well, I think it'll be a lovely time, especially mm. because instead of being outside in the rain, we'll be able to hear Jim... Yeah, and this is like, it's like the weather gods are cooperating in a very nice way because this is the last cool day uh, for some time in terms of the what the forecast is saying. It's supposed to be, you know, back up in the mid-70s and stuff, like tomorrow. But today it's supposed to be like 59 or something, so I'm feeling quite fortunate because of that. So this... It's going to be good. The selections of music we have are some of our favorite. Well, actually, Seattle Songs is one of my favorite albums by Jim. Yep. It's a I good love one. the production. I love the songs. Yeah. And I just, uh, and I love the instrumentation. Yeah. It's, it's nice because it's got Jim and Orville. I think is it, maybe it's Orville that's doing the kind of percussive slaps and tickles in, the, in, the, in these songs. I mean, Grant Dermody on harmonica. It's a nice touch. It's a great sound. Uh, and Michael Gray's on fiddle. Michael Gray plays fiddle, yeah. Yeah, sparky. Oh, it's, I do love this it's the a good album. album. It's a good album. There. But Jim's, you know, he's... A uh, handful of songs, which is his most recent album, is really well done too. We and played a couple of songs. Yeah, so and yeah. he's uh, working on another recording, even as we speak, with Orville. And Jim and Orville play the first Wednesday of every month at the CNP uh, in West Seattle. So if you get a chance to see, we were talking about it a couple of weeks ago. About well, because we went to it. We went to it, and there was that bass player. Dune. Dune. He was incredible. He was amazing. Yeah. They were just locked in. It was great. So anyway, I'm looking forward to locking in with Jim tonight. I just feel like there are all these gems of musical experiences to be found around you, you know? Yeah. And it's so exciting. It's true. It's true. That's why we always talk about it. Yeah. That's why we keep coming back. We do keep coming back. And all around the world, babe. But I keep coming back. <laughs> so a little uh, a little feast of a little snack of Jim Page and come and see him tonight if you wanna I love the way that the rain sounds on the rooftop over my head like little animal The way the clouds come down so low sometimes I seem to prowl around the alleyways And get into the side streets And all the world goes soft And the hard lines disappear And the echo of the footsteps 
Here's music in your ear And the sing-song river runs All along that little crack I've been all around the world, baby I keep coming back Now the big boats come to the dock side tie off and unload and they stay a little while you got a bright light saturday liberty night you gotta do it up right you gotta do it in style maybe hear a little music can i have this next dance maybe fall in love if i get half a chance with somebody like you yeah imagine that I've been all around the world, babe, I keep coming back. I rode the bus to pick me up hitchhiking Took me clear across town I said, I ain't got no money So that's all right, friends Just get on board and lay your burden down He said, where you going? I said, I ain't got that part figured out yet Life is so uncertain Yeah, and the future is not set I'll let you know when we get there, though Fact. I've been all around the world, babe, and I keep coming back. I rode that Fremont Bridge so high one time I could have scratched old Mr. Moon right in the chin. All that water in the canal down there below And I thought to myself, I'm gonna dive right in Yeah, but I'm too young to go that way And I ain't ready yet I don't mind falling that far I just don't want to get that wet It's a carnival of circumstance You have to have a knack I've been all around the world, baby I keep coming back. 